You're listening to Revive the World Ministries podcast. Thanks for listening. We hope this message encourages you to be all God created you to be so that you can impact the world around you with the love and power of God. For more information about us, you can visit our website at revivetheworld.us or visit us in person each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. We hope to connect with you soon. there's a moment right here where there's going to be clarity that takes place just as, as Sam and them were singing this this song I felt like um, that the father just wanted us to look in his eyes for a moment um, just for everybody that's looking for acceptance everybody that's looking for approval everybody that's looking for love I felt like the father was just saying just look in my eyes and those are the things that you'll experience just look in my eyes and those are the things that are going to become your reality and so, Father, right now, we just, we just take this moment and we just stare into your eyes. For some of us, that's foreign. For some of us, we don't even know how to do that. But I feel like that if we'll just be still in this moment, even if I can't visualize it, even if I can't see his eyes, even if I don't even feel like I'm experiencing anything, if we'll just by faith, just say, Father, I want to look in your eyes. I know that you were, you're supposed to be my mirror. I'm supposed to look like you. And so I'm just going to stare into your eyes. Even if I don't know how to do that right now, I know you'll help me. Somebody had, had told a lady at the healing center yesterday to look at this, this picture, this artist that had drawn this picture, essentially of this, this little, this child that, Jesus was holding them by their face, just gently, just caressing their face and, and just looking into their eyes. I feel like he just wants to do that for us in this moment. Just have our undivided attention so that we can begin to experience so that those truths, those, those, those biblical truths that we're accepted, that we're approved, that we're loved unconditionally by Him, that those things will begin to be solidified in the foundation of who we are, that we never question them again. Just like Aaron was talking about, we're new creations. We're born again. Well, in those three things, our acceptance, our approval, our love, our unconditional love from Him, those are the foundation of, of who we are. We were chosen in him to be accepted a long time ago and so thank you father right now for helping us to just stare into your eyes that all the other things all the other distractions all the other lesser truths and even lies would just fade away and become a distant memory to us yeah we just want you to be our mirror we want to know you as our mirror right now That we'd see what you see. (laughs) That we'd see what you saw before the foundation of the world. That you you loved us so much that you sent Jesus to to take our place, to restore us back to you. We want to see that. That look. (laughs) That awestruck, head over heels in love look that you have in your eyes for every one of us, for all of creation. 
thanks, Father, right now. at us doesn't depend on what we do or don't do. It depends on what's already done. It's already finished. It's Aaron so incredibly articulated. It's it was done. A long time ago it was done. Just rest in your finished work, Jesus. We thank you that you've restored us back to the Father, what we were always meant to be. moments like this, these are moments that mark us and, and can change us forever. <laughs> it's one moment, one moment with Him is all it takes. <laughs> one moment with Him is all it takes. <laughs> we always say we're one encounter. People are one encounter away from their life radically being changed forever. You know, we're one moment, one, one truth, one moment of staring into his eyes away from our minds forever being changed. Our minds forever being changed about who we are, about who he is. <laughs> it's moments like this. That's why I'm not in a rush to get past the moment. This is, this is the agenda. This is it. 
this is it. It's all about meeting with you, Dad. Thank you that we get to do this. for slowing things down for us for this. with me Father I believe that you love me I believe you love me unconditionally that it doesn't depend on what I do or don't do but on what you already did for me right now by faith I receive your love because I'm worthy of it. Because I'm worthy of it. supposed to be. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thanks for picking up the paintbrush that's our lives and just mixing the the past, the present, everything in between and and the colors of it and just painting the the picture, the masterpiece that you designed us to be on the canvas, the blank slate that we've been given. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you that you don't waste anything. Nothing was wasted. I don't know about you, but that was a profound truth that came to me not long ago. Nothing, nothing was wasted. I thought I wasted years and years and years of my life trying to catch up, trying to make up, trying to do the impossible. And he showed me, you didn't waste anything, son. I'm using every bit of it, all of it, all the heartache, all the pain, all the the things, all the things before me since then have become the masterpiece that you are that you are right now that's true for every one of us and waste not one thing father thank you <laughs> thank you to work all things together for good for our good get to be a demonstration of your goodness 
Thanks, Jesus. know just so the worship team knows they can stop playing we give the worship team a hand just for being amazing my gosh we're wow he's good I'm not gonna pretend to recover from that I don't plan to anytime soon we don't have hey we don't have announcements anymore so this transition time won't in this transition time won't involve you guys having your conversations that you customarily have and that you can get you know you can get what you need to get but it will we're flowing right into teaching from now on if you need to hear announcements which i hope you you want to announcements will uh are on the recording so you can well today we had a problem with the sound and so if you you need to hear some or get a preview of those. We'll give those to you. But this is normal order of service now. We're going straight from worship into it. I don't want to break up the the flow. I personally have never liked breaking up the flow of going into announcements. And even though all that can be incredibly spiritual, I believe that it uh, can also be a, a disruption to what God wants to do in these moments. And so I, I needed a change. And, and uh, I felt like Jesus was like, yes, change it up. Please, <laughs> please change it up, right? We just get in our traditions and we get comfortable and it's, it's okay, you know, <clears throat> until they get in the way. <laughs> That's why we don't, we don't hand you a pamphlet at the beginning of service. You know, when you come through the door, you don't get an order of service from us. Just because, uh, not because those things aren't good, but I just felt like it'd be a waste of ink most of the time. Um, <laughs> I don't have a, you know, usually on a need-to-know basis on a, when it comes to comes to any any moment like this. And so, shoo, Jesus is changing our minds about who we are and who He is. It's good, isn't it? <clears throat> Who's got who's got prophetic words over their life that they you've got things that are unfulfilled over your life that God's spoken to you or through somebody else? Sometimes we think of prophetic words and we think they always have to come through a person. Um, the ones that come through a person most often, if not always, are a confirmation of what Jesus has spoken to us or kind of let us in on in some way. We kind of felt or experienced or a vision we had or a dream or. <clears throat> or he just spoke it to our hearts, right? And so there's there's prophetic words over all all of our lives. And I've got prophetic words over my life. I've got so many prophetic words because when you're in prophetic culture, you get so many words that you you realize that at some point that these are not just for me. <laughs> these are for these are for generations to come, right? There's no way I couldn't fulfill the, all the prophetic words that are over our life and ministry and the time I have left 
even if I do live to another 80 years or so, you know, to 120, um, there's just there's just so so much, which is is good news to me because then what help what that helps me with is I quit looking at my lifetime and I start looking generationally, which is the way I believe I was created to see. I believe we were all created to see like that, and some of us have different aspects of depending on our our part, our piece, our gifting in, in the body. And so I've, I've begun looking, you know, generations, what's that, what's that look like? What's it look like to give people a ceiling, you know, my ceiling and that become their floor, not just for now, but for, you know, three, four, five generations, however long before Jesus, you know, it's supposed to last till Jesus comes back. <clears throat> and, it, and it will, I'm convinced of that. So 2013, I, I had a vision of a, of a man who was Middle Eastern is all I could tell you. You know, I, I didn't know. I hadn't had any any conversations with um, anybody that was from the Middle East at that point. And, you know, it's only been eight years ago. I don't think I'd had any interactions with any Middle Easterners at all uh, unless they, you know, were some kind of service industry thing, but no real conversation, just practical stuff. And even though I've been... I've been the minority in places um, that I've been in my life, but just it wasn't with that particular group of people, and uh, it was a minority in in other situations. And and um, I and I'm you know I, I I fall in love with all races, it's great. But I just hadn't had an opportunity to know anybody like that. So when I saw this vision, I heard God say, um, <clears throat> at least I thought it was God. He. He said, I'm going to send you to them and demonstrate to them that I'm real through, through my raw power. <clears throat> I'm like, awesome. I wrote it down. It was November 2013. Jesse Cup was in a, <clears throat> it was in an Encounter Indy meeting. Um, we were obliterated that night. Owen and Nikki were there. Um, Lindsay, me, Lindsay, Owen, Nikki, uh, Brad, Priscilla had, had went to that meeting. And, and uh, I wrote it down. And I didn't have interaction with anybody from the Middle East for probably a year. And I'm, I met a guy in Home Depot, and I got a, I'll save you all the details of it, but I, I'd got a word of knowledge, so it, I, I got an assignment to go to Home Depot. Who knows, that's just good, right? I'm like, anytime I can go in a hardware store, I feel, I feel good. If I can get somewhere where there's chainsaws and power tools and... <clears throat> I just want to be in the room with them. They're like, Lindsay, she's like, what's it with you guys and chainsaws? I'm like, they're amazing. I, don't, I just want to cut stuff up. I don't even, you know, I, I don't want to do it for a living. I've done it for a living. I didn't, I didn't like it that much then, you know, but Joe and I cut down a couple of trees in our yard, you know, earlier this, <clears throat> well, late, or late last year and it was just, I was like, yeah, chainsaw. So going in Home Depot was, you know, great and this, this guy gets healed and and uh, I get, I think, you know, this is part of the word. And it sends me to the north side where I get to interact with some Arab Christian churches, two of them on the north side. And I get to, what I think, I'm like, okay, awesome. I'm going to train and equip these guys, send them back to their own country. The majority of them are from Egypt and Jordan. And they had escaped essentially persecution, a lot of them, and, and been over here, and some of them for as, as many as, you know, a couple decades. <clears throat> so, I mean, saw so many miracles happen. It was insane. First time I went up there, I saw miracles happen for an hour. I didn't even preach. It, it was like being, I thought I was in another country. It was just, 
come in, I'd, I'd never happened like that before. You know, I'd, I'd seen some miracles, but it was just, it was a whole nother level. And um, then that door, after a couple years, shut. And they, you know, just, and I'm like, okay, I wasn't it. Well, 2016, I got a, another, I had a vi- another vision. And I didn't know the two visions were tied together. <clears throat> and I was, we went out to Bethel, and right before we left, I saw this vision of the Pakistani flag in my, in my mind. I'm like, okay, I, I, I thought on it, just full, full transparency. Uh, there was a new guy here today, and he looked like he, you know, he was a little thuggish. And um, I, I, because of the crescent moon, I thought it was a, a gang sign. Um, vice lords, I, some of y'all don't know this stuff, but this is just used to, you know, once different lifetime, it was my world. And so I'm familiar uh, w- with those things. And, uh, and I asked him, and it, and it was totally wrong. And so I just wrote it off as me being wrong. And then when we got to Bethel, just that, that next week, um, I had a vision of, uh, <laughs> I had a vision of, of Pakistani uh, rebels and, and soldiers and uh, Shiite Muslims, uh, governing officials, all on their knees giving their life to Jesus. And I saw a bunch of other places too, not just Pakistan, but some other Things that end stand, <laughs> and some, and, but a, a, a lot of places. But that was the that was the highlight. Real, he was, and Owen reached over, you know, and and confirmed the word. And he didn't. I was having all this internally happen to me, so he didn't know. And um, Isaiah fifty five five came up, you know, which I actually turned to in my Bible just now. I didn't even know it. Um, <clears throat> which says, "Surely you shall call a nation you do not know, and a nation that does not know you." Uh, will run to you for the Lord your God has exalted you. And I'm like, amazing. And immediately, a uh, little terrified. <laughs> for being honest. And so I've got, I've had that not long ago. The Holy Spirit's like, hey, these two words are, these are connected. The one in 13, the one in 16. And then the people, I just started having people randomly are like, hey, you're, I see a door open in Pakistan. Hey, I, you know, I'm like, that's just too specific. And, you know, I know this. It's just confirming. Every time there's a word that's confirmed to you of the word that you've already gotten, customarily, I don't, I don't want to say always, but I, I believe almost always, is that it's because there's grace on that confirmation to empower you in the waiting and to prepare you for when it's to come. And so here we are, present day. Last year I was supposed to go to Pakistan. Now I'm actually going to Pakistan next month. And um, we are going to be there for a week. We're going to be in Karachi. Um, and some of my family doesn't know this if they're watching this live video right now. <laughs> I'll have some explaining to do. Tony, you got some explaining to do. <laughs> Some of y'all are old enough to remember that. <clears throat> I'm not actually old enough to remember it. We just like old TV shows. But um, so we're, we're going to be there for a week. And, and our goal when, when, I, when I now leave and go places, or even when I'm in the country and go places, my goal is to build a relationship that will last and how we can serve one another and how I can, how I can benefit from you and how you can benefit from us. And how we can help you, advance you, and also I know there's things to take away. And so it's a reciprocating blessing. So we're, we're going to Karachi to do that, to 
to continue to build, to continue to help them disciple. And we're going to have an event that's, uh, it's a one-day event, and it's uh, eight to 10,000 people will be there. They've picked me to be able to, um, to stand on stage that day and do whatever Jesus wants to do. But I know he's going to do a lot of miracles. I believe that everybody there that needs to know Jesus is going to know Jesus. And they've got a plan in place to get those people discipled. Because getting them to say a prayer is amazing, but getting them discipled is part of that's That has to be a part of the process. <clears throat> so I say all that to encourage you in the, in the words that you've been given, that there's grace for them to be released. I didn't think this would happen. I honestly didn't think I'd be able to leave the country. Um, I had I had a thought process that opposed that that was that was possible, and and God continued to chip away at that that faulty thought process until there was solidified in me prophetic words from David, you know David Wagner and people that I know and trust and friends and you know in the inner circle along with David and with every word there was more that was chipped away and and now it's and now it's happening and because I get to be a part of it we all get to be a part of it because when I when I go we we all go figuratively so we I need we need your prayers we need y'all to start praying if you would now we go at the beginning of March and um <clears throat> We're just, I mean, we're expecting huge things to take place, and, and I, I'm convinced that they are. God got, gave us a taste of it, what it was supposed to look like in Brazil and Argentina when we go overseas, and, and now, it's, now it's time to go somewhere new, and I believe this will be some place that we'll uh, be a part of until, until I'm long, long, long gone. Uh, please start praying for us, and, um, and if you'd like to partner with us financially and sow into this, you know what you're sowing into. We need some money for the event that's going to take place. Really cheap. That's, we can get that stadium to fit eight to 10,000 people in. We can get buses to bus them in and bus them back home. Um, sound system, uh, worship team, uh, chairs, all that stuff for like six, six grand U.S., that event in the U.S. would be six figures, easy. I mean, some of y'all don't don't realize when they put on those events. Some of you do know when they put on those events, like those the send or whatever. You know, you're you're talking half a million, million, million five. It's a lot of money that goes into those things. So to be able to do the, what I look at financially is how much bang for your buck can you get. I thought six thousand dollars, eight to ten thousand people. That's a good investment right there. <clears throat> It'd be worth a whole lot more. But so if you want to sow into that, please pray about it. You know, we we need your help. But first of all, be be praying for us, because uh, we're all gonna we're all gonna start producing a whole lot of fruit for the kingdom in in Pakistan and see it's primed for revival and it's already happening in pockets of Pakistan. Yeah. Thanks, Jesus. So if you do so into that, just make sure that we know that you're, so however you give, just make sure that we know on the envelope or come tell us or say, hey, I wrote that in the line or the memo line or whatever of a check. So <clears throat> so I want to to continue in that, that same vein. I, f I feel like that um, God wants to do some more stuff along the l 
of what he did when we were transitioning worship is that each one of us, our brains are like search engines of a computer. You all got your favorite search engine that you use. Some of you, you go to, you know, Google or whatever it is that you use and you go look up stuff, right? <clears throat> now we look up anything that we can find, we possibly could look, you know, I don't, I can't remember a show. I'm, I'm usually, it's, you know, that's the search em, engine of IMDb for me. I'm looking, you know, characters. I'm like, what movie were they in? I see a person or I see a movie or I see an athlete. I'm looking up stats. I'm looking up, I can find, I mean, literally you can find anything on the internet, good and bad, right? <clears throat> Our brains are very similar as that the search engine of our brain is constantly going. Even if you feel like you're not thinking, everywhere that you and I are looking, everything that we hear, everything that comes into our ears or into our eyes, the search engine of our brain is, is looking for beliefs that have been solidified, that are strongholds in our, in our mind. Right? Let me read you some scripture and then we'll, I'll give you a definition couple of definitions, because I feel like God wants to, because strongholds, when we think of them, who thinks of them as being bad things sometimes, right? Because you're like, it could be bad. Well, they're, they're not supposed to be bad, even though they can be, right? Just because, the, just because you can use the internet for bad doesn't mean that it's inherently bad. Because there's a lot of good. I've been in. I've been in Pakistan twice because of the internet last year. Even though I wasn't there, literally, I was there through technology. And I, I told you some of those testimonies. And I was in. I was in South America last year. Or I'm sorry, South Africa last year. Um, so it's there's so much good that's being done through the internet. Even though there's bad happening, doesn't mean that it's bad. So just because we have strongholds doesn't mean that they were supposed to be bad. If it's in our mind, if it's something, so strongholds, for instance, if we have them in our mind, that means that God created our minds to have them. So that means that they could be good. They can be used for good. So look at 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. I'm going to talk this, I'm going to talk this out with you because I've, I've got some things I'd like to propose to you today. These are things I've been thinking about this week, along with the search engine of our, our brain. So for, for though we, this is 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5 in the New King James. It says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of of Christ. For the weapons of our warfare are, are, are not carnal, but they're mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. They're not of the natural realm. Though I believe that they may seem natural to us after I explain it to you and show you that you've already got powerful weapons at your disposal that you quite possibly are already using to pull down the, the strongholds <clears throat> that all of us have inside of our minds that I would call belief systems. Um, when the search engine of your brain believes that all people are inherently evil, 
right? Anybody ever thought that? When you, if you think that all people are inherently evil, every time you meet somebody, every time that you look at somebody, every time you have interaction with somebody, every time you watch the news, you're looking, your brain is looking for something in that situation, in that person to solidify the belief, to come into agreement with the belief. So if you believe that all people are inherently evil, you'll find that. On the flip side of it, if you believe that all people are inherently good, that there's good inside of every person, and that becomes a stronghold, then the search engine of your brain is going to be looking for good, or what we call gold, the nature of the prophetic. You're going to be looking for good in every situation. doesn't mean that I become oblivious to the bad. It means that my, the search engine of my brain is looking for the good in that person to come into agreement with the stronghold that I've built inside of my mind. If I believe that I'm accepted by God, there's a stronghold. We are in worship. We are talking about, you know, staring face to face and meditating on the truth, finding out the truth of, of what he's already done for us in his eyes. I'm accepted. I'm approved. I'm unconditionally loved. I mean, that right there, if I get that, I mean, it's, for all of the things that are, are negative, all of the lies, it's a done deal for them. Like, it's over. Because that's the basis of all things of my identity. Things that are already true of me, I just may not believe them at the highest level yet. But if I do believe that I'm accepted by God, the search engine of my brain stops looking for it from the people that are around me in situations, all right? On the flip side of that, if I believe that people don't like me, I'll be looking, my brain is going to, the search into my brain is going to be looking for something that may or may not be true in the people and the interactions that I have, and it will find what it's looking for. See? Oh, yep, that was that. Was that. See that look? See the way that they dismissed me, see the way that they didn't give me their full attention, it's because they don't like me. Those are all assumptions, but because I have a belief system that people don't really like me, that happened from childhood or deep wounding at some point in young adulthood or, you know, as my brain's being developed, because that happened, my, my brain's looking for that all the time. It doesn't mean that it's true, it just means it's my belief system. I'm viewing the world through all my, my belief systems. The search engine of my brain is looking for, right? If I'm, if I'm bent towards certain things, I'll, I'll find them, healthy or unhealthy. I'm looking for them because to, to, my brain is, is constantly searching for those things that I believe to be true. doesn't make them true just means that I believe it. I be, this is what I propose to you. I propose that these are, these are strongholds. These are, this is what, so first let me, let me give you the definition of pulling down in 2 Corinthians 10, uh, 4. For the pulling down of strongholds, it means to demolition or extinction. <laughs> pulling down means demolition or extinction. So God's given us weapons to cause those what I'm calling belief systems or strongholds to be extinct or no longer exist. Why? So that new ones can take their place. Stronghold is, a, in the Hebrew, it's, it's a castle or it's a fortress. 
I really like it in the dictionary better. It says, a place where a particular cause or belief is strongly defended or upheld. Listen to this again. A place where a particular cause or belief is strongly defended or upheld. So strongholds are a place where my belief system, I am protecting it with every time that I get, I, every time that I, something in my mind sees what I believe, what I've built as a belief system in my mind, it further solidifies that stronghold. That stronghold gets stronger, that, wa- that wall gets more fortified, that castle gets bigger, right? It keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger until, you know, the good news is, is that it can be, it can be when there are lies or there are things that oppose God's truth, the truth about who He is, the truth about who we are, the truth about kingdom principles and healthy theology, that no matter how strong, how thick those walls get, they can all be dismantled. They can all be destroyed. They can all become extinct when we realize the weapons that we have at our disposal. <clears throat> this is, so these are some of the things, let me give you my, my, own, my own personal journey with just teaching. So all my, all my life, I was looking for approval or acceptance from people. And I found it when I did, when I did well at sports. So when I did well, I was rewarded, right? And so I love sports. I love, um, I'm, I'm passionate about sports. I believe that good coaches uh, are one of the, the greatest things that a kid could ever have. They teach them that community aspect. They teach them re- relational aspect. They teach essentially what we say, you're better together. It's teamwork, right? They teach you a good work ethic, hopefully. You know, good coaches do. That's where I got a, a never give up attitude. I used it for some bad things, but yeah, and now I'm using it for good things, and it's 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 good. It's because I don't you don't quit, right? One of my old pastors, Gene, he said he said the only way you lose is if you quit. So don't quit. I thought I can do that. Don't quit, no matter what you feel like. Don't quit. So I got that from from athletics, from team sports, from my coach, Coach DeGroote, one of the best coaches. He was the best coach that I ever had. Um, he, he was the toughest. He was the, the Bobby Knight in my life, if you, you know who Bobby Knight was uh, or is. And um, I was he was a coach. Now, he didn't, you know, he didn't throw anything at me, but he, uh, I don't know that he didn't want to. <laughs> he didn't have to. He was ginormous, just a big, like, rock of a man, you know, and I wasn't. You know, I, I wasn't the smartest at that time of my life, but I wasn't that dumb. I wasn't going to do anything to him, you know. <laughs> I wasn't even brave enough to run up and hit him with a stick if he wasn't looking probably. You know, I just wasn't. <laughs> but he, 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 never, he never quit on me. He never gave up on me, and he, he instilled it in me not to do that in my life. No matter how far away from the path supposed to be on I got he actually was a representation of what the father's like to me he came after me and and so I, I uh but I at that time I also you know through growing up I found that if I did good then I was rewarded if I did bad I wasn't and so I brought that stuff into the kingdom with me 
And then, guess what? God puts me up in front of people, even though this is what, never what I wanted. I used to visibly break out in a sweat if I read in front of just a few people. If it was you, me, John, and Beth, and we were just in a room by ourselves, and there was a book that I could read from, pre-baptism of Holy Spirit, I, I, you could see sweat beat up on my arms if I was called upon to read out loud. Like the, the most terrifying thing for me in school was to read out loud in front of people. And it wasn't that I was, I was bad at it. It wasn't that I had any problem reading. It, it was just that I was just terrified. Public speaking in college, I took one class and we, you know, five minutes, I remember a five minute speech. Uh, it was, I think it may have been informative. I forget, I even forget what it was. I was so scared. That's probably why I forgot. I, I remember literally my legs shaking. I thought this is the worst thing in the world. I almost rather die than do this right here. That's what I'm serious. And that was, I was 21, I think 22. So you fast forward just a handful more years and I get baptized in the Holy Spirit and everything changes. And then God puts me out in front of people. Well, I was still scared. It was just that there was this something that happened when I started to speak and it wasn't natural. So I knew uh, years later it was anointing. And I'm like, that, I'm, I'm glad for that. I don't know. <laughs> and, and then I, I still, to this day, get nervous. I get up in front of a crowd of any size. Whether it's a classroom full of eight or ten people or standing on stage in front of hundreds. It's, it's just there's nerves. It's not fear, but it's just that butterflies, you know, is the way I relate it to. Pre, pre-game jitters is what I, I call it. Some of y'all can relate to that. Some of you can't. But in all that, I was looking at the end. So I used to look for opportunities to preach, and then we planted a church, and I didn't have to look for opportunities anymore because I had, I had lots of them. But I did this thing that I started to realize after God showed me, um, is that after every time I spoke, I was looking for approval from people. People that I respected, people that I looked up to, and I would go to them immediately for feedback. Now, here's what I'm saying. I'm not saying feedback's bad, but why do you want it? What's the intention of it? I believe in the consumer world, in the, that they, they live and die by feedback, right? It, it's, they find out how, you know, take this survey, how are we doing? Right? I believe in the kingdom we should do that too. I do it everywhere that I go. Every place that I speak, I was at the vineyard last Sunday. I asked, you know, at the end of it, I'm like, hey, could you get your leaders, people that you trust, people that you respect, could you ask them to give me feedback? How was I when I was teaching? How was I uh, when I was prophesying? How, how was I, you know, how did I do on time? How did I do all together? You know, just give me all the feedback you got. I want it all. And, but now I want it for the right reasons. But back then, for years in doing this, I was looking for the approval of man. So this is what God started to do with me, to break down that stronghold that I didn't actually need that. And he said, after every time you speak, I want you to go spend time with me. Don't ask anybody anything. He said, I want you to go immediately. And he called it our debriefing time. So I just lay on the floor or get in my chair or whatever, and no worship music, just me and him in the silence. And I'd say, okay, what what'd you think? And so I thought it was so he could tell me how I did. And, you know, he's like, okay, we'll play that game for a little bit. And, you know, what I mean, he's, he, and then he shows me after, I'm, I'm, I've been doing this for five years. Oh, and there are times when I don't get to it now depending on the situation, if I'm, you know, 
preaching several times in a day or, or whatever, but almost always I get to it. And he showed me that it was all about me realizing that I already had his acceptance and his approval, that I didn't have to perform for, for his love. This wasn't, it wasn't a test every time. He wasn't looking for me to do a good job or a bad job. He just wanted me to realize that I had his full acceptance and his full approval, and it didn't depend on what I did in ministry or even in life. He's like, you've already got this. It's yours. Why? Jesus. It's done. And so the more that, that I rested in, and started to soak in that, the more that that stronghold, my belief, I was coming to agreement with what he was saying. And that stronghold was being chipped away until it's completely, de it's demolished now. It, it's, it's been extinct, right? So it got completely torn down, but there had to be something that was put in its place. And, and this is what I, I began to do. This is, I, I began to come into agreement with this truth, but I also began to use my words to build new strongholds in my mind. You guys, some of you in the class Friday night did the prophetic, you know, you guys, we've, on Wednesday nights we've been doing prophetic classes since the end of December, and I've been saying this, and I did it at the vineyard last, last week when I was at the vineyard, I taught on the prophetic, um, in the afternoon I did a class for about two hours, well actually it went about three and a half, four hours. Um, I had 40 plus people that all wanted to be activated in the prophetic, so I taught, and then we did exercises. First exercise I did, and I've been doing it here, I've done it on Wednesday nights a couple of times, is that if you can learn to prophesy over yourself, you'll, you'll prophesy over others easily. That we're the most important person that we can prophesy over. Because for years, I could prophesy over crowds of people. I could say, no matter how afraid I may be or nervous, I could say what I felt like God was saying over a crowd over a person, but I couldn't look in the mirror and prophesy over me. That's a problem, and God's got a solution for it, right? My, now that I believe there's a solution, in every, situa I, every situation I face, I have unlimited solutions, divine ideas, right? That's what I believe that, and so the search engine of my mind is always working to look for solutions. If you believe that there's not a solution in situations, your brain will stop looking for them. You see how that works? It was never meant, our brain was never meant to oppose us. It was always meant to cooperate with us and, and reinforce who we are and operate out of the mind of Christ so that we can live the, out of the fullness of what Jesus paid for. Not struggle and through this life and just hope we make it to heaven. That's not what Jesus paid for. He paid for us to live out of the fullness of who we were always, always predestined to be. <laughs> if I can just make it till Jesus comes, come on. I, I get that that seems spiritual, but it's, it's, a, it's a very uh, poor mentality. It's like a poverty mentality. It's a poverty mentality. Poverty mentality has nothing to do with money. You can have a poverty mentality and be a millionaire. Poverty mentality has everything to do with my belief. It's a belief system. If I believe I'm just supposed to hang on till Jesus gets back, that's a, it's a poverty mentality because I'm not living out of the fullness of kingdom. Wealth mentality is, is kingdom. Kingdom is quality. That's what a wealth mentality is. I'm not talking about quantity. I'm not talking about stuff. I'm talking about quality. What do I, what do I believe? Do I believe God's best for me personally? And me, being, me learning how to prophesy over myself has helped me to do that. 
So there, there, there's, there's a scripture in Jeremiah chapter 1. I, I says, I'm proposing this to you. I'm not creating a new theology. I'm just proposing something to you. You take it with you and, and do what you like. But this is what I, I'm thinking, okay? <laughs> Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. You guys are kind of familiar with, you guys may be very familiar, maybe more than I am, with this particular passage when God calls Jeremiah. He calls him to be a prophet. I'm picking up on this. because I'm just taking a principle out of here. I didn't want to give you the whole story. So I'm going to pick up in verse 9. This is out of the, uh, new, the NASB. It says, Then the Lord stretched out his hand and touched my mouth. This is Jeremiah speaking. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have appointed you this day over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to tear down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. Check this out. God says this to, to Jeremiah under an inferior covenant because he's called to a prophet to the nations. He said, look, I've, I've, put, my wor- I've put my words in, in your mouth. Who's inside of us? Jesus. Right? Holy Spirit. Spirit of Jesus. I mean, they're all true. Right? It's all, they're all in there. <laughs> Three and one. It's all right. You know, when, when you walk into the room, Jesus walks into the room. The more I realize, the more that's solidified in my belief system that, that him and I are one, that there's a seamless connection between us, that I'm not doing this somehow for, for Jesus, like he's up somewhere above, you know, on the other side of Mars, and he's like, you know, just, there's my son just living for me, just, just, just a servant of mine. We do serve. But he's right here with me because him and I are, are one. Intimacy and in that face-to-face actually helps me to realize my, my oneness with him. That's what Jesus' prayer in John 17, that they'd be one as, as we're one. You know, and that, that actually we'd live in them and them in us. And, and then that, that, that through their unity with, with us, the, the realization, the revelation that we're one that they would become unified. Because when I realize my true oneness with him and I begin to live out of that nature, I easily set aside my differences with you. (laughs) Because love becomes the goal. When I'm one with love, you know, love kind of becomes my thing. (laughs) It becomes becomes a priority. (laughs) That's how I can tell that I'm growing in my revelation that him and I are one. And so him and I are one, right? Old Testament, Jeremiah, Spirit of God comes upon him. God said, you know, as a prophet, as a, or if he were a king or a priest, the, the Spirit of God came upon a select few. I know there were others riddled throughout the Old Testament, but it wasn't common. It was relegated to those particular people, prophets, priests, and kings. And so the Spirit of God had to come upon Jeremiah to prophesy, and God tells him, I've put my words, I've put my words in your mouth. So then it was a thing that he put him in. What if now, as we're one, it's a thing that we're just leaning back and resting in the fact that, that him and I are, are doing this together? And Psalms 81.10 becomes my reality every day, is that you'll, 
I open my mouth and you'll fill it with the words to speak. So, see, have a, see, I have appointed you this day over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to tear down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. And so God's telling Jeremiah, I'm going to have you use your words, the words I put in your mouth, to destroy things that weren't supposed to be there. But also, I'm going to have you use your words to build things that are supposed to be there. Let me throw Proverbs 18.21 in the mix. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat the fruit thereof. For so long, this is just, a, I'm just making a proposition. For so long, I've looked at my words that were death as being bad. Now I realize speaking death is bad. What if we had a different perspective? Who knows that one scripture can speak multiple different things? If I ever, I, I never want to make the mistake again, and I've done it before, as I read over, I'm like, oh, I read this passage 50 times. It can say, <laughs> say something different to me 50 different times, right? Or 150, or 500,000, or every time I pick the Bible up, because it's living and active, powerful, right? It's alive. <laughs> That's great, isn't it? <laughs> so... Death and life are in the power of my tongue. What if I used what God said to Jeremiah and pointed my prophetic words as, now Jeremiah's a prophet. I'm not saying we're prophets, but we're all prophetic people by nature because the nature of the prophetic is to hear God's voice. People ask me about the gift of prophecy, and I say it's a hearing gift. But guess what? You already by nature were created to hear him, so you're already prophetic. Now go ahead, ask for the gift. You should. You're already wired. Your new covenant position is head to heart. Like that's you never leave there. The only way that I leave that position is if I leave it in my mind. I can't physically leave it. I'm, it's my born again position. My head to his heart. John 13, John's head to Jesus' chest. That is our born again new covenant place. Rightful place. He made it possible. Isn't that beautiful? And so I, I can't leave it. Physically, at all. I can only leave it in here. It's like, it's like, it would be like stepping outside of my oneness with him. Impossible. Except for in here. <clears throat> and so because we're all prophetic people, what if God filled our mouths with the words that he wanted us to speak, and even if they were words that were to root out, pull down? What if those were to destroy, to dismantle? What if those were the weapons that he wanted us to use? What if he's like, no, I don't want you to speak death to people. I want you to speak death to the strongholds that are in your mind that oppose everything that you were always created to be. I want you to speak death to the strongholds in the search engine of your mind that are looking for negative things that are looking for hopeless things that are looking for things to deny that you're accepted and approved by me to deny that you're fully loved by me to deny that you are who I say you are what what if that's what he wanted us to do and those who love it right death and life are in the power of the, of the tongue and those who love it will eat the fruit thereof eating fruit sounds like a good thing to me y'all like fruit I like fruit 
especially when it's kingdom fruit. So if he's, what if when we begin to do that and, and we turn, as Steve Backlund says, all of our, our warfare guns on our thinking, and we begin to dismantle the strongholds that were meant to be there, but they just weren't meant to be what they are. And we used them like Jeremiah was created to do and to pull them down and then begin to speak life to build and plant in our mind through the truth of what God says about us, like he did with me, and just leaning back and receiving the fact that I'm accepted and approved by him, that I don't need to work for it and I can't work for it. I'm not working to earn love. It's already done. <clears throat> what if we did that and it began to build and, and plant, or plant and then build fortified strongholds of, of truth? Because when those type of strongholds are built, when our strongholds in our mind are built through the truth of God's word, of what he says, of what's said about him, what he says about us, those aren't easily dismantled. When somebody leaves a belief system that fast, they're like, oh no, God's not good anymore. I know that there's not been a stronghold built in their mind because it's not that easy. Over the last seven years, I built a stronghold in my mind that says God's good. With one truth, he sent Jesus. That's it. It's not up for debate anymore with me. No matter what happens in the world around me, no matter what I see, this is every situation, I, premature death, whatever it is, every situation now, there's been a stronghold that says God's good, and that's it. It's done. It's literally done. And that thing's so fortified that things that oppose that have just, they just, it's like, they just bounce off the walls of that castle. <laughs> the, all the things that are screaming, God's not good, wherever they're coming from, they're just bouncing off, you know, I'm just laughing. I'm like, and some of them I don't even realize, because a castle with fortified walls, it's like a, you know, it's like a slingshot with, you just got like little bitty rocks, like tink, you know, they're just bouncing off. The people in the castle, they don't even realize that there's anything that's bouncing off those walls, right? So that's what happens when kingdom truth is solidified inside of our minds. What did I do to solidify that, that God's good? These are one of the practical principles that, that I, I used. I meditate on testimonies. Meditate on testimonies for the last seven or so years. I have it in my phone. On my calendar, as a reminder, every morning, meditate on testimonies, just so I don't miss it. And I think through or read through the testimonies, whatever this day calls for, or I may just hang out on one, and I begin to, I, I, I met, and the more I, I listen, I rehearse it in my mind, the more it gets solidified that he's, he's good. And you know what else it does? It actually, so years ago, I began to believe that everybody that had crutches, casts, brace, canes, uh, any kind of outward injury, limps, whatever it was, I believed that every one of them was a target for God's love, that they were free game, right? Open season on everybody that had any kind of physical injury, that I could go after them and pray for them. That, that was my word of knowledge. <laughs> you look for a word of knowledge. There's, so I did it so much that Lindsay knows anytime we're in public 
that my brain is searching for casts, crutches, canes, limps, lifts and shoes. It's I'm hearing aids, all of it. My brain, I don't have to try. I'm serious. She knows. I'm just like, she knows, she's like, we're on a date. I'm like, I know. I don't, I don't, I haven't done that for years on, on dates, even though there was a point in time where I was a little immature and I, I made a few mistakes. But <clears throat> ministry time, not, not good on date night. <laughs> Unless your significant other agrees to it. <laughs> You find that out by asking, not by doing, and then, and then, being, and then assuming. <laughs> assuming never good, right? I'll have to break that down for you. But the search engine of my brain is, is constantly, and so what it's done is it's not only caused me to look for people that I can love on, but it's also brought an expectation that God actually wants to do miracles more than I want Him to. And so everywhere I go, I expect God to do miracles. Right? It's because I've done a simple thing. I've used the weapons of my warfare that I've had at my disposal because you've got death and life in the power of your tongue. And I believe there's some things that we got to speak death to and some things that we speak life to so that we can begin to actually think the way that we were always created to think. Let me tell you this, this quick testimony of, of how, yeah, let me tell you this quick testimony and then I'm going to, then we're going to pray. About three years ago, there was a 10-year-old a boy that evidently, I, I didn't actually, I, I vaguely remember this. <clears throat> Evidently, I called him up front in a, some kind of healing training or, or something like that. And I had him pray for and watch as somebody's leg shifted out. Their alignment was off. He's 10 years old. I'm, to me, I'm just I'm training and equipping the next generation. You know, I'm showing them that miracles are for them, that they can do miracles, that there's no junior Holy Spirit, all those things. I'm, I'm, just, I'm showing them evidence. I've watched one miracle change somebody's life. This is one of those testimonies. Fast forward three years later. 13 years old. I actually got to see him last weekend, and he's, um, he was not a part of that church, but he was there in the prophetic activation part. He was prophesying. He asked, like, a super great question. He's like, hey, what do you do when you're too tired? To, you know, physically, you feel like you can't prophesy, and you, but you still need to. What do you do? I'm like, that is a very mature question. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, why do I look tired? No. <laughs> Which I was, but. So I don't know that over the last three years that his sister has went off the rails and is in a crazy lifestyle and is all anti-Jesus. His dad is anti-Jesus. Um, I'm not going to share the details of, of what they're going through, what's going on in their lives, but I will tell you that they've been trying to convince this boy opposite of Jesus. His mom come up to me after, after the activation part in the afternoon. She hung out just to tell me this testimony. I'm so glad she did. And she said, she tells me about the moment three years ago. You pulled him up front. 
He showed him a miracle. He said, because of that one, one miracle that he saw that he was a part of, he said he's immovable in his faith. They can't convince him otherwise. They can't make him turn from Jesus. <laughs> he's rehearsed that miracle over and over in his mind, which has proven to him and has built a stronghold that Jesus is who he says he is. And he's immovable in his faith at that young of age because of the miracle. Something that I didn't even know. I didn't had no clue what I was doing. So if you would just stand with me and we're gonna we're gonna pray and and know that you and I are set up to believe like Jesus. It's the, it's the meditation. God told Joshua, you'll meditate on the, the law day and night in Joshua 1, right? He says, you meditate on the, on the law day and night so that you will do all that is within it. He's given us principles. He's showing us. If you'll meditate on my truth about who you are, about who I am, about what I do, what I want to do, you'll actually begin to live out of that reality without effort. It's okay if you gotta, if you got to try to remember. It's okay if you're like, you've got to you know, actually put one foot in front of the other and it's not natural yet. That's okay. The more I meditate on this truth, like we were talking about earlier, I'm accepted, I'm approved, I'm, I'm unconditionally loved by Him. The more I meditate just on those things right there, Day and night, I meditate on this truth. I partner with this truth. I'm building strongholds in my mind of this truth. I will actually begin to effortlessly live out of my identity. That's the way it was always supposed to be. Christianity is not supposed to be hard. Doesn't mean we don't have difficult times. But it does mean that you and I were created to walk in our new nature effortlessly. Period. <laughs> That's good news. We should be happy about this, right? This makes me happy because I know if I'm created to do that, then that means that there's a plan for me to get there and I don't have to figure it. He, give, he gave us tools, right? It's simple. This is not, that's why this isn't a Sunday. You just come to church on Sunday, hear a message and go out and do whatever I want throughout the week. And I'm not even talking about bad stuff, but then not focus on practical principles throughout the week and then expect life to change. It doesn't matter if things change around me. It matters if things change inside of my mind. <laughs> it's all perspective. <laughs> you can change locations. You can change friends. You can do, and sometimes that's important. Right? I know the principles that they teach and classes, you know, for addiction and other lifestyles. But guess what? There's no geographical cure. <laughs> I, I taught my parents that. You can move me anywhere you want. I will find bad people. <laughs> you know why? Because the search engine in my brain was looking for the drug addicts, the people that sold drugs, where I could cop, all those things. That's where the search engine, that's the way my brain thought. And God showed me it's not about you changing around you as much as it is about you changing inside you. Meditate on the truth of who you are. Meditate on the truth of who I am. Be militant in it. I'm sorry if that 
that word doesn't make sense to you. To me, that's discipline. I'm disciplined every single day. Disciplined about this life. Because Jesus paid a very high price for me. And I'm going to live out of the fullness of who he created me to be. And I'm going to go all over the world. I'm going to teach other people the same thing. Right? And they're going to teach me stuff while I'm there too. I'm going to do what I'm created to do. I am not going to. I told you nothing was wasted. Now uh, in my past, now I have a choice whether or not I waste what's been given to me. Because I know better. And he's given me principles to live by. So don't overcomplicate it. Take what I told you today. Meditate on the truth of who you are. Who he says, what he says to you, and and destroy those strongholds that aren't supposed to be there. You're gonna have the you were created to have the best search engine that there ever was in your brain. <laughs> so, Father, right now we just we just surrender the search engine of our brain <laughs> to you and to the process. We thank you for giving us weapons uh, that aren't carnal, but they're actually mighty in you. There's grace for this, and we thank you for it. We thank you that you've given us these weapons to pull down, to pull down these old ways of thinking and to build, to build new, healthy strongholds. We thank you that you created us for this, so we know it's not complicated. I bless every person in the process. I pray that they'll celebrate the progress that they have made. Regardless of of where they're at today, I pray that there's celebration of of progress because there's been some. You tuned in today. you, You came today. You're listening today. There's progress. You're growing. The search engine of your brain is going to be wired to find your growth more than it is to find your failures I believe that I believe even right now that God's beginning to open up new neural pathways for you to see where you're growing that that will begin to be the forefront of your mind and that you'll celebrate all the good choices that you made throughout the day sometimes we're looking for that great big big you know I stepped out and prophesied somebody today that's that's a you know I can celebrate that no you you got up and you went to work today, right? You didn't feel like it, but you did it anyway. You ate healthy today, or remotely healthy. That's a good choice, right? Got up. I was kind when I didn't want to be because I had a moment, momentary lapse in, in who I was, <laughs> right? I didn't lash out, but I wanted to. I held it in. I, I displayed self-control today, right? I was intentionally loving and kind. These things celebrate, celebrate the good choices. You're making them every day. So, Father, I thank you that you're, you're rewiring things. You're opening up new neural pathways. You're tearing down old, you're showing us, highlighting old strongholds, and they're going to be completely tore down and demolished. <laughs> extinction. <laughs> we declare extinction over all unhealthy strongholds in our minds. <laughs> and that there's planting and building that's taking place of new, healthy strongholds. So I bless every person right now, in Jesus' name, every person. Bless them, Lord. Thank you. Prayer team, can I have you all come, please? We got people that want to pray for you. I bless your process. 
bless where you're at in the process. God's doing big things in your life. He's going to show you. He's doing it, right? You're partnering with Him. You're growing. Come on, celebrate it. It's good. There's hope. There's hope in the world. You know why? Because you're here. (laughs) And Jesus lives in you. (laughs) Isn't that good news? (laughs) Jesus is the the hope of the world. (laughs) And He lives in you. So bless your process. If you need prayer for come on up and get healed or get somebody to partner with you. You got something you're going through. These guys and these ladies want to pray for you and encourage you. Online, thanks for joining us. We love you guys. Thanks for being here virtually. It's good. Thanks, Jesus. If you guys don't need prayer, would you say hi to somebody you never met before? Introduce yourself. I know some of you got a little bit of time anyway. You should probably warm your car up since it's single digit do, do weather outside. Double now. The wind, the wind chill is the wind chill is still minus something, I'm sure of it. So it's okay. Don't worry, it doesn't last long in Indiana. Love you guys. Thanks for listening to Revive the World Ministries podcast. Join us each week for another message and listen to past messages by visiting us online at revivetheworld.us.